Hey everybody, welcome to another session here. We have Pedro. I'm super excited to have him on the show, uh, head of growth at Growth Hacker. So I'm super excited because if anybody knows anything, a thing or two about growth, it's going to be the head of growth at Growth Hackers. Pedro, how are things with you, man? How's your life so far today? I'm great. I'm great, Ramily. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. I mean, of course, it is a good fit. We had Sean Ellis a few months ago, so it's cool to now really dig into around growth experiments. Can you share a little bit about how you got into growth? Because it's, what's really fascinating is people that I've talked to go to growth. Some come from chemical engineering, yeah. <laughs> some come from art, some <laughs> come from marketing. So it's always, some even come from engineering or product because there is no major in university called growth. <laughs> so how did you, so to speak, fall into growth or end up in growth in your journey? <laughs> yeah, so I don't have like a technical background. I came from marketing and sales. And prior to joining Rope Hackers, I was actually a co-founder a company called Contentus. We had a content marketing platform helping content marketing teams and content teams to streamline their operations. So I was mostly on marketing and sales, but as a co-founder, you're kind of like a jack of all trades. So while I was reporting, like sales and marketing were reporting directly to me, whatever there was fire, I was there like Frank. <laughs> so I think like that was the beginning of my growth career because as a co-founder or as a growth person, you're just looking from a customer perspective, right? So that might mean on acquisition, sometimes on activation, sometimes on retention or revenue or referral. So whatever you are actually needed, the co-founder actually goes there and tries to solve the problem. So yeah, that was the beginning. And eventually that company got merged with growth hackers and that's when i actually started with growth so yeah but i couldn't agree more like there is no one single path or kind of like a career that you can build from scratch i guess if you know about the market and you know about the process the methodology and you know how to navigate internal bureaucracy learning who are the, the key stakeholders and who you should go to to request something, then you're kind of good to go in growth. <laughs> I love it. Find growth is often has to be able to wear multiple hats. And I think being a founder sets you up because you really yeah. have to have, <laughs> like today I'm putting my product, tomorrow I'm putting on my marketing and sales. So it really is that almost jack of all trades that you need to see throughout the whole, uh, whole funnel, the customer journey, essentially. I want to jump and talk about high, I, I looked at your LinkedIn and high tempo testing was one that I, I kept seeing over and over again on your LinkedIn. So it seems like something that you're passionate about, that you care about. First of all, for people listening in, what is high tempo testing and why is it so important and critical for any kind of growth? Yeah, that's a great question. So I guess like people explain growth hacking in different ways. And there is a lot of misconceptions in the market about what that actually is. Uh, the, the name involves the, the term hacking. So if you're not familiar with growth hacking, you might think that there is a negative connotation on the hacking word, or you're going to be using black hat tactics to actually grow your business. Or if you have watched the Netflix documentary, <laughs> people might think that growth hacking is actually bad. Like you're using 
psychological and other strategies to actually get customers to be addicted to your product. So there's a lot of like wrong ways to describe what is growth. And I like to describe growth as a constant and conscious process of experimentation or high tempo testing. So whenever we talk about testing, that refers to the process of running experiments to validate a hypothesis. While high tempo usually refers to the minimum viable experiment that you are able to run to validate that hypothesis. So high tempo testing is when, let's say that I want to validate a new acquisition channel for my company, right? So instead of like going all in and considering that should be my entire experiment, I'm going to break that down into the minimum unit possible for me to get to that answer. So I strong correlation with the amount of tasks that you're running and the expected result that you're getting. So usually like on Growth Hackers, we run a, a research, that the state of growth where we ask growth teams all around the globe to actually tell us what is going on in their companies and how they approach growth, their success rate, the amount of tests that they're running. And we, uh, if there's one common correlation that we find here over and over again, is actually that the team, the most successful teams, are also the ones that are running more experiments. So they're able to have a high velocity, and they do that by having a high tempo testing. So... And they break down experiments into small units and get to the data to validate that hypothesis as soon as possible, as fast as possible. And if you think about it, it's kind of logic because growth should be running experiments and tests to validate things that the company is not doing yet. So you don't know if that's going to work out or not. So, and as Jeff Bezos usually say, like, if there is a strong upside, a hundred or a thousand X upside, it will also have a high failure rate or at least a risk of failure. So yeah, uh, high tempo testing comes down to actually running, constantly running experiments to validate a hypothesis. And that's pretty much my responsibility at Growth Factors. I really love that. I, I mean, I really love that you're you're talking about like you're tying one pattern you saw, and I just want to reiterate this for people tuning in, you said is that success, a lot of companies, the business that you've seen one pattern you see over and over again is more experiments. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where high tempo does come in. You said something that's interesting around a lot of those experiments will fail. There's this mindset that failure is the start of being fired. <laughs> so, I mean, that needs to be a transformation in mindset and yeah. culture, so to speak. What suggestions would you have around that when to influence that that culture to shift from, hey, every experiment needs to be a success to now we're running experiments to learn and sometimes failure is the best teacher of all? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So the first thing I would like to point out is how are you measuring success, right? So I think that's super important if you're going to start with a growth process, a growth project, for you to build a strategy first. And the reason behind that is because you should not be measuring your success by the amount of experiments that you actually validated. 
but you should be measuring the success if you have achieved the outcome that you're expecting. So let me take a step back here. Normally, a growth strategy has at least a two-layer cadence of KPIs. One is the objective, what you're trying to accomplish. And the second is the task, the experiment, the idea, the hypothesis that you're going to run. So if you run like 10 ideas, like 10 experiments, nine of them fail, but the one that actually works has helped you move the needle to where you want to be, that's a success. <laughs> but if you ran like 10 experiments, nine of them work, but you haven't achieved your goal, your objective, that's a failure. So when we are measuring success for a growth team, I think it's important to define an, object, an objective, define its success metrics, and the test experiments and hypothesis that you're going to be running are actually the only the way to get there. What is going to measure your success is if you have gotten there or not. So building the strategy actually helps you differentiate, like zoom out when needed. So what is our goal? What is our success metric? And when you zoom in, you're able to see the experiments, the idea, and the hypothesis. So I think that first of all, we should be differentiating how we measure success. For me, successful growth teams are achieving objectives and not necessarily validating all of the hypotheses that they are running. So that's why when we run our, our research, the most successful teams are also the ones that are failing the most because they are getting to their goals and objectives, but not necessarily validating all of the tasks that they have on the table, on the backlog. So that's the first thing. And I guess like when, when people are reading like growth studies and researching about a company, the only thing that they find are the ones that actually work. So if you read like Airbnb or Dropbox success case or Founder Chanel was responsible for a Dropbox success case, and everyone knows that they created that referral program that if you invite someone, you get more space in the cloud and et cetera. So, but that was not a silver bullet that they have found that changed their entire life. Like they have ran, like they run a whole bunch of different experiments. A lot of them fail. The ones that worked when you sum all of them up, they created that huge spike on their graphics and actually made a difference. But it was not a one-time thing or one idea that actually changed their entire trajectory. It was the sum of all of the small, high-tempo testing that they were doing. The ones that worked has helped them create the referral program. So I guess start with strategy because that will help you differentiate what is success and what is just like validation that is part of the process. I have never met one company that actually found the super bullet and changed their entire life. It's the constant process of running experiments that actually makes a difference. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're right. It's it's not that one thing. It's the outcome that comes with everything, with the bigger picture all tied together. Is it possible for you to share an example of an experiment you've run, whether it's at Growth Hackers or anywhere else, where the results surprise you? And it might not necessarily be the one that produced the biggest result because we just talked about there's no silver bullet. So one that gave you, let's yeah. say, the biggest <laughs> learning uh, that was like, oh, okay, that came out of nowhere. Or yeah. uh, any other ones that you can share that really was is most memorable for you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I would like to add into that that like the most underrated skill set of a growth leader, in my personal opinion, is actually the ability of being comfortable being wrong. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm highly confident that something is going to work out well, mostly when it's about design. 
like let's change the upper bar of our community or let's change the size of the form let's change this image because normally like in my personal opinion that doesn't look good like the visual it's just not right in my opinion and then i suggest an idea hey i believe that if we change the color, if we organize that in a cleaner way, uh, things are going to play out super well. And then we run the experiment and the data tells me that the conversion actually drops. So that's like, it, it happened over and over again. Like it's not a one-time thing. I'm repeatedly wrong in terms of suggesting ideas when it comes down to design. Whenever I look at like, I believe we tend to look at things based on your our, our own best experience. So like you can understand your business in a completely different way than your customer probably does. And then you read your like upper bar menu, let's say the menu of your onboarding process or some the steps in which a customer goes through the, during the onboarding process. And for you, it's clear that things are not organizing the way they should be. And then you change and you run the experiment, and the data tells you that the past version was a lot better. So this one is actually like, it happens at least once a month. That's why I say that I had to learn be, to be comfortable being wrong, because the data usually tells me, the, hey, it's not what you were thinking. And yeah, you got to respect that. I love that. I mean, data is the truth, so to speak. It gives you the truth. It gives you clues about the truth, so to speak. And I love that yeah. you're, you're being, yeah, you're, it's letting you lead the direction instead of the other way around. Yeah. And like Amazon Prime is a great example. Like I find that horrible. The experience for me, the UX, the UI, it's terrible. And it's not like they don't have the money to change it. It's just because that probably works. So that's why they don't change it. That is so funny. It's probably works. It's so ugly. Oh, man. Sometimes the prettiest is not the one that gets you the biggest results. It's often the simplest or yeah. the ugliest. <laughs> Love that. Yes. Oh man, I want to start wrapping up. And what kind of advice would you give to people who are tuning in right now around high tempo testing or around growth? I mean, you've seen, even as a founder, like any parting advice you'd like to give in for context, people who are tuning in are usually uh, people in either product-led organizations and they're trying to grow their company or they're making that transition and adopt high tempo testing to go from sales-led to a product-led approach. Yeah, so... I would say that you don't need your entire company support or the most expensive tools or build like to hire an entire growth team from scratch to actually start with growth. Uh, start by building, like by getting a challenge that it's on the back of their ER mind or your leader's mind, but they haven't had the resources or the time or the ideas to actually achieve that. And start running experiments towards that, that direction. Start with the low-hanging fruit. You're going to get some wins. You're going to get some success. And eventually, that will build up. That will pile up. And you'll get more resources, more people, more autonomy, more flexibility to run more, to take more risks and to build an entire growth team. So I see a lot of people waiting to get started. Like, I should have that tool. or should have that data. I should have that resource or that person in my team. But you, you probably are right. You probably should have all of that. But you don't need that to get started. Like you can get started right away by getting like, by working with 10% of your time by running experiments on something that is not currently part of your process. Try to validate something new. 
something that you're strongly confident that it's going to play out well. And that's just the beginning. Once you get some wins, then it's time to start promoting your wins across the company. And everything else is just a result out of that. I love it. Uh, one final question. Where can people find out more about you if they had any questions about growth uh, as well as where can people find out more about growth hackers if they already don't know what growth hackers <laughs> is? Where, where is it and what, is, what can they get out of there? Yeah, I would invite everyone to come to our uh, our community, like growthhackers.com. That's where you can end. Like we host weekly AMAs, online courses. There's a lot of questions. You can share your links as well. So that's where... I will always be, <laughs> but uh, people can also personally reach out to me through LinkedIn or Twitter at Pedro Clipati. And yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Pedro, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Remy. 